may not know all of you, and I'm not sure what age and stage of life you are, but I'm confident that everybody in this room will spend some time in jail during their lifetime. I got the same awkward, who does he think he is prophesying that I will have a bed at St. Albans? But that's not the kind of prison I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the kinds of prisons that Jesus came to set us free from. There's a danger of thinking of Jesus as an extreme person who came for people in extreme circumstances and that he's necessary and good for some people out there who are a little crazy or on the fringe or in serious trouble or addicted or confused, but that those of us who consider ourselves okay, normal, if there is such a thing, um, the older I get, the more I realize there is no normal. And if you think you're normal, nobody else in your friendship circle uh, thinks, you, thinks you are. But some of you are uh, greeting your wives now and going, you see, babe, I told you, uh, you're not normal. Um, but to be truthful, Jesus is for me and for you and for everybody and for anybody. And you don't have to be extreme in order to need a, an extreme spiritual experience. And I want to show that to you. I don't want for you to sidestep just how powerful Christ can be, but for you. In Luke chapter 4, um, from the message, it, it details a little bit um, from verse 16 the role of Jesus on the earth. And uh, unrolling the scroll, I think you, you guys probably know the scripture. He found the place where it was written, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, hence the good news conversation for the month of December. Sent me to announce pardon to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the burdened and battered free. Now, I would like to encourage you to identify one of those words that describes you at some stage of your life. Because I can tell you for me, I've had some seasons in my life that battered me a bit. And I've had some circumstances in my life that burdened me a bit. But I've also had some things that have felt claustrophobic and made me feel like I was in a prison. And those kinds of things can come from all kinds of circumstances. They can, your bank balance can feel claustrophobic. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know you came out of Black Friday, went into Dark Monday? What was Monday? What was, what was Monday? Dark Tech Monday something? Cyber Monday. But none of that mattered to me. I mean, something can be on less 70% sale. I don't have the 30% that's left <laughs> that I'm supposed to do. I'm like, not even like, no, I'm, I don't think so. I did, however, buy one or two items. They did get delivered. One of them was damaged. It was a frying pan. I mean, that's where my life is at. I'm not, I'm not buying new, you know, sneakers. I need a frying pan that works because like some teenagers ruined mine some time ago. Uh, they shall remain nameless there at, at the, at the back and on the side. There's all alone Luke and the guys. Uh, and using a fork on nonstick. Anyway, anyway, I gave it away. I gave it away. I got another one. It was damaged. Imagine my uncool moment when it was damaged and I needed to return it and there I am walking down Mount Road with a broken pan to give it to the take-a-lot lady to, to, to get the replacement and she's like, you're going to give it to me like that without a bag. I said, ma'am, it came without a bag. It's going back without a bag. It came in a big box with lots of stuff. Sometimes your finances can feel claustrophobic. Sometimes you can be in a relationship and it feels claustrophobic. 
Because sometimes your head is your own prison. And you don't seem to be able to escape your thoughts. They follow you around like a pet. Your thoughts can get clingy. Have you noticed that? You could be watching a movie, but you're not observant to the movie because you're playing another movie in your head. And you feel like a prisoner. And then your prison could be a creation of your own expectations. Oh, I wish I was, you know, watching this movie with somebody. And so that can feel claustrophobic. You look across the movie house and you imagine that everybody are happy couples. Like, oh, they're nice and look at them. They're having a great time. (laughs) What's funny is many of the happy couples are looking at you and going, she's, I wish I could just sit and watch a movie on my own. I wouldn't have to pay 200 bucks for this extra, you know. Everybody uh, gets themselves into prisons. So when we say that Jesus came to set the captives free, I don't want you to think, well, yeah, there are some crazy people out there that need Jesus. You're the crazy person who needs Jesus. And the truth is we can get ourselves into prisons uh, throughout our lives. And in that sense, I mean that whether I know you or not, at some stage of your life, you're going to jail. And it's not a jail with walls. It could be a jail of the heart, of the mind, of the spirit, of the emotion, and of the circumstance. And you need to learn how to trust Jesus to open prison doors and get you out of those jails. And they happen often. Life is about learning how to get out of things you're not supposed to be in and get into things that God wants you to be in. That's a good definition of following Christ. And you know, if you've been around a while, everybody else is trying to put you in a box all the time. Your parents try to put you in a box. I grew up in a generation where uh, my parents uh, wanted me to become one of only three possible things, you know, doctor, lawyer, and architect. Those were the only three possible careers in those days. And now you live in a generation where, you know, I guess your parents only want you, I don't know, to do megatronics, robotics, and RT. I mean, it's, somebody is putting you in a box all the time. Then you date somebody and they want to put you in a box. Babe, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. The walls come closer. Don't do that. Babe, when you do that, it triggers me. And the walls, Right? And then you get a job, and I know uh, those of you who are young, you don't want to believe me, but like consider this a prophecy, it just happens. You get a job, and all of a sudden, somebody else is deciding what you do from nine to five. Like, oh. you know? How many of you feel it right now? You're like, oh. But there's another kind of prison. It's a, it's, it's a prison um, that's produced by sin. When acts of disobedience brick you in. And then you've got to learn how to get out of that. So, and if we're not aware, we might think uh, that uh, the, the square meters of our lives is good when God has um, more square meters in mind. You know that scripture in the Old Testament, enlarge your tent. Stretch it out, put stakes, enlarge your territory. Those are nice words, but what they mean is that by implication that the space you're living in has been shrunk. And you need to learn how to not let your life be diminished, either by your own actions, your sins, your omissions, or the actions and sins and omissions of other people. Can you say amen to that? 
I know that sounds super heavy and intense, but uh, truthfully, I wouldn't want you to get too comfortable in a prison. I don't want you to settle in. Tiny houses are cool ideas for, you know, camping. But in life, don't live tiny. Amen? Enlarge. Enlarge is a great term. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 are in prison. In this case, it's a literal one. For not really a good reason, they're in prison because they confronted uh, uh, somebody with a demon and, and, and the person who had the demon was a fortune teller and she was making a lot of money for her bosses by telling fortunes. And when they cast the demon out, she couldn't fortune tell anymore. And then the bosses got upset and threw Paul and Silas in jail. But here's the context. I used this this morning also. About midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. I just like the message. Um, and uh, the other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then without warning, a huge earthquake, the jailhouse uh, tottered, every door flew open, all the prisoners were loose. Do you know, I think in order for us to allow Christ to lead us out of um, prisons uh, of every kind, you have to do something contrary to what you think you're supposed to do, counter-culture. You would think that when you're in prison, you should perhaps feel disappointed or sad or wonder if there's any future or any hope. What you need to do is start thanking God and living a life of praise and of adoration and of expression. This morning I talked about how important it was not to let prisons, enclosures, silence your voice. Don't land up being silent in a world that is so loud. Make your shout louder than the spirit of this world. And if you would like to, I'd suggest you go and have a listen to that message on podcasts or YouTube. But I, I wanted to encourage you to shift your mindset that uh, when things feel like they're closing in, uh, start to give thanks to God that he will open the door and then he will unlock it and let other people say, I can't believe it. I can't believe they were diagnosed with cancer, but they're still standing in church and they're still raising their hands and they still love God. They should be disappointed in God, yet counterculture, counter-expectation, they're blessing God and they're giving thanks to God. It's when you move that and shift it around that praise produces breakthrough. You've got to... You've got to Stop being sulky about your circumstance and start being worshipful about your circumstance. Can you say amen to that? Uh, there's something really powerful about, about that. And there's something about rec just recognizing, knowing the truth will set you free. Just recognizing, hey, this is a prison. Stop, perhaps stop blaming people for imprisoning you and rather just recognize the prison and go, I'm not accepting this. Uh, God has better things in mind for me. Can I tell you that even religion can be a prison? I mean, I haven't, I haven't had time to dig into that, but let me tell you, I, I could. I think religion is one of the worst kinds of prison because it's a pretty prison, but it's still a prison. And what I mean by that is religion is almost the only prison that requires hard labor from you in order to keep you in it. The Bible calls that dead works that you just have never done enough. You're always in the dog box, in the jailhouse, because you've not done something. It's called dead works. Only when you accept Christ has done everything that I need 
for my spiritual awakening and I must accept Christ because in Christ is embedded everything I need. He is the pantry that has all the ingredients for the life God wants me to cook up. So stop looking for the ingredients, get the pantry. Right? There's something really powerful happens about that. So in the minutes I've got uh, left with you, I I want to talk to you about three types of prisons that Jesus came to set us free from. And then I want to end the service by inviting you uh, to let Jesus open the door and let you out. I also want you to know that sometimes those prisons, let me uh, dabble a little in more controversy, sometimes those prisons get fancy names. It's my personality profile. That's, that, that's a, that can be a prison. I mean, I've got a certain personality profile, Greek. Oh, is that, that sorry, that's biological, biological profile. Actually, we could talk about that uh, all on another night. Uh, I'm watching the clock. Uh, we, we call it personality profile. Or we, 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 we might say, well, you know, my history is my prison. If you knew what I went through, you would understand why I am the way I am. No. Uh, if you are aware of who you are in Christ, then your history is below the line of the cross and your future is above the line of your cross. Everything below the line has been buried with Christ. Everything above the line is raised into newness of life. You are therefore a new creation and the box is broken. You got to, you got to get out of jail. And it's necessary for all of us to do that. So you'll be careful. You don't get so you you name it. Oh well, you know, my jail is abused in the past, or my jail is come from a poor home, or my jail is I'm an eight type personality and I, I can't help it, I'm just always angry. Um you can walk out of that box. You can walk out of that box. So three three prisons the Bible tells us about. There are more, uh, but but um, uh, I only get to see you again like this next year. So it feels so far away. I'm really not quite sure what Vince and I are going to be doing on Sunday nights. I know what will happen. We'll be SMSing each other. We do this every year. We SMS each other. We go, I can't believe we closed the evening service. Now, why did we close the evening service? That's so stupid. Let's just go down there and see if anyone comes. And then we have to calm ourselves down afterwards. We always do this. But next year, there'll be so many people in church that it won't be possible to. There'll be thousands will get out of the box that Corona put them in. Mm. I think so. Number one, uh, the prison of judgmental attitudes. Let me tell you that a judgmental person does not imprison the one they judge. They imprison themselves. It's similar to unforgiveness. The person you're unforgiving towards is living a lack of life. You are in jail. And you put yourself there. (laughs) Sometimes prisons we put ourselves in. Uh, 1 Peter 3 from the message, 19 to 22. He went and proclaimed God's salvation to earlier generations who ended up in the prison of judgment because they wouldn't listen. And you know, even though uh, God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ship with his ark, only a few were saved. Do you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that uh, we can be judgmental and then uh, receive judgment and put ourselves in a box. And do you know, uh, some people here, uh, you're in a prison because you judge other people. And then for some of you, you're in a prison because you judge yourself so badly. So, uh, some of you will not give yourself permission to be happy. 
and so you're in jail. And so what you're doing is you're hoping you'll, you'll marry someone who's like, who, who's got the key. That's what you're hoping. You're hoping, if I just marry the right person, I've got the key to my heart. I know I did that horrible action. The key to my heart. I said to the youth, be careful about the key to your heart, eh? because it can open it, but you also lock it. But just be wise who you give keys to. Um, so you won't, you, you won't allow it. And maybe you're in a prison because somebody else judged you harshly and said so. You are useless, a failure, a mountain, whatever. You are disgusting, whatever it is. I have to use horrible terms because horrible terms put people in horrible prisons. Jesus unrolls the scroll and says, I have come to set the captive free and to open prison doors and to restore blind eyes and to heal the battered and the bruised. Now you go to say, I'm one of those. And if, if you say, if I acknowledge I'm one of those, then I acknowledge my need for Jesus, right? So secondly, uh, we sometimes put ourselves in personal prisons. Um, do you know, it's tempting to feel that a, a prison is safe. So some people are locked in and some people lock everything else out. And that's dangerous. I'm sure you, some of you have been in relationships like this. Maybe you're in a relationship like this right now. Maybe you're sitting next to them, so don't amen too loudly. But all you want to do is say to them, why are you locking me out? Why can't I reach you anymore? I wonder if Christ could say the same to us, why are you locking me out? And why can't I reach you anymore? That sounded like thunder. That sounds like Acts 16. Suddenly an earthquake and the prison door is swaying wide. How cool would it be if in that moment, like in that moment, <clears throat> that'd be um, very much late night TV. Romans seven fourteen says, I can anticipate the response that is coming from you. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I spent a long time in sin's prison. Yeah, Paul wrote that and he said, you know what, to be honest, I'm a bit messed up. That's that passage of scripture which in the NIV says, the good I want to do, I don't do, and the evil I don't want to do, I'll end up doing, oh, I'm so frustrated. He said, you know what, I, I keep getting myself in jail. But thanks be to God, Christ Jesus has set me free. And then the last kind of prison I want to talk to you about is the prison imposed uh, on us by the environments we create. Do you know, uh, sometimes uh, uh, some, Jesus is calling you, somebody. <laughs> so, uh, I, I still want to answer the call one day. I think that would frighten the friend. I, environmental prisons, in other words, the way you've set your life up has blocked you. I'll give you an example. Um, if you spend all your money from your salary in the first three days, then the other 27 days feels like a prison. That's because of the way you set it up. Right? Okay, getting a lot of resistance from that idea, so I'm going to just move along. 
see you don't want me to touch your finances now, yeah, after Black Friday, so yeah. Um, you, you're dating somebody just because you fell in love with them. Not realizing that that's just the ingredient that should start the conversation, not the ingredient that should end the conversation. So you took was what was the start of something and you made it the end of something, so now you're in jail. And that's tough, man. You set it up like that. Have you ever done something that just you set it up badly? And that's and now it's hard and, and you need to change the setup. Jesus came to open prison doors. That means he has to change the setup of your life. The configuration. How, how everything plugs in has to be changed, otherwise it's going to be a jail. And when you allow that, you um, get a much greater sense of why Jesus is who he is in the world and why billions of people follow after Christ. Because I know if I set up my life my own way, it won't be long and I'm going to checkmate myself in all kinds of ways. But if I let him set it up, he'll set it up in a way that even at 50 or 60, whenever I turn either of those, I'll be set up for success and set up well. I won't be set up only to find, ah, I'm in one of those mazes and I've just hit a wall. So that's, uh, not cool. Hebrews 13, uh, last scripture. It's a, it's a direct one. I guess a direct one. We're going to end the year on like a blunt one. Is that blunt scripture? Is that okay? Honor marriage, guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between a wife and a husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. You might say, well, what's that got to do with prison? It's got a guard in it. Whenever you've got a guard somewhere, you're dealing with a jail. Do you know what that scripture is saying? Just don't set yourself up for a fail. Set yourself up for a win. I have this really annoying coffee making habit. I like making coffee Arab style every now and then. Do you guys know what Arab style coffee is? It's like this copper thing that they make on, on sand. But I don't do it on sand because we have electricity in South Africa. So you put it on as a copper, you put the coffee and the water and then you let it boil and then you pour it out and you, you don't drink the bottom little bit because the coffee's still there. But I get preoccupied while it's boiling. So I'm doing something else and I'm answering something and I'm watching a TikTok or whatever I'm doing. And at least once a day, it boils over, all over my like schmancy glass thing. I've decided now, okay, wake up, George. Watch. This thing heats up quickly. Pay attention. You're going to ruin everything if you don't. Sure enough, not concentrating again. Do you know my point is that there are some things in life you should not be distracted when you do those things in life. And partners, life and marriage, don't be distracted. Those relationships heat up quickly. And if you're not careful, you're going to make a mess. And you'll imprison yourself. Now, in that context, we must surely conclude 
I need Jesus. Because if I don't have him, I'm going to jail myself somehow. I'm going to put myself in some kind of a prison. At the very least, I will make my life smaller than the size or scale that God intended when he made it. At the very least, at worst, I'll put myself in jail and nobody can reach me and I will feel deeply lonely wherever I am. You know, one of the true definitions of deep loneliness is that you can be in a room full of people, but you're in a jail. So you're not in the same room as everybody else in the room. They see the room different because, you, do you see what I mean? You see yours through bars. And they see theirs through stars. I don't know. It just sounded like I should end that with a poetic. So, I want to spend a moment or two tonight in prayer for you. Uh, and all I'll, I really, I think I need for that is an acknowledgement in your own heart and in your own mind. I get it now. Uh, uh, bricks are being built around me. I better wise up to that, not allow that. And I recognize that the answer isn't me being the, the jailbreak. The answer is Jesus needs to shake things up like an earthquake. Everything has to shake up. And then when he opens the door and, and sets me free, I need to set my life up, configure it differently so I don't land up, I don't land up back in jail again. So with those ideas in mind, would you mind standing with me so we can pray? Now, oh, thank you. You have some teams doing two things right now. One team's coming to the front to be available to pray for you, to connect with you personally, and another team is going to prep your coffee because coffee is one of those things that just makes everything better. Amen. Um, between those two things, someone to pray for you, cards to fill in for anonymous prayer requests and Thanksgiving cards where you can say, Jesus did something and I just want to say thank you, and communion. I want to pray with you tonight. So would you mind um, closing your eyes for a moment? Um, and and what I, I would like you to acknowledge perhaps in your heart is, I think I got myself in jail. <laughs> Maybe uh, in an area or a circumstance that I just, I didn't realize this would, these would be walls and I would be a prisoner. And I don't actually want to live my life like that. I don't want to live in a box made by me, the devil, or anybody else. I want to have that wide open space of God's favor on my life. And if you're in that space, I'd, I'd really be honored if you just, by way of an acknowledgement, I'm really keeping things confidential, is why the lights are dimmed in churches like ours. We just raise your hand and say, actually, I'm acknowledging a need for prayer so that something opens up in my life that is currently locked away. If that's where you're at, will you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. I just need long enough to acknowledge it, but you know, and it's you're making a mental connection with your spirit about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm really going to invite you that if, if you're not done with whatever that thing is, please take advantage of coming forward for prayer. Like we 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 spend all week waiting to see you on Sunday. 
and we would be here all night if you needed us. So, so Lord, thank you for the power of your spirit. When we lift up our song of praise, it can be midnight and everybody else won't believe their ears. They can't believe that we're going to start giving you thanks before we're even out. But tonight, in advance, we, we thank you. We give you thanks, Lord. We thank you for a new season in our lives, for freedom in our lives, for expansion in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that the claustrophobic encroachments, the walls of separation and limitation will break in Jesus' name, that they will be shattered and that we will immediately feel the reservation and the restriction dissolve, resolve, and, and, and we'll be able to pursue you and life, the life you designed for us with absolute freedom. Lord, please, please forgive us if we're spending time in the prison of sin. And please forgive us if we're building walls, thinking we're protecting, but actually we're just, we're just jailing. And Lord, please will you teach us that if we'll take your hand and follow you out of this jail, you'll take us through a life of adventure we could never have planned for ourselves. Would you please help us to do that? And then in the closing moments of the service and, and the last preaching service, I guess, of the 6 p.m., I just want to invite you that if you haven't yet uh, said to Jesus, uh, I'm, I'm following you. You're number one and I'm following you. Um, if you've never done that, maybe do that this moment. I'll just, I'll just say a little prayer. You can either copy me or say, yes, I agree with that. But Lord, would you please rescue me from myself, my sin, and my circumstance. Will you please take charge of everything that matters in my life, my past, my present, and my destiny, my future eternity. Would you please be my Lord and Savior? Would you help me figure out what that means the rest of my life? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a shout of praise and worship one last time?